This is a football show, Monday edition. He's Zach. I'm Braden. We are live from the Cast Collective studio, of course, here in the heart of Nashville on Music Row. That's two shows in a row that I got that correct. I know. We'll see if I can get it right at the end of the show. Uh, of course, if you want to book a space here in this wonderful, beautiful place, make sure you slide up into the DMs at cast underscore collective on the Instagram, of course. Zach, what do people need to do on the YouTube page and all across all the great platforms right Share now? Share everything. Retweet. Quote tweet. Turn on notifications. Do everything that you need to do to be able to make sure that you not only catch us live, but all your friends and family and enemies catch you live. We'll take you enemies. Yeah. Enemy. What about neighbors? Pets? Those, those are included or... in friends and okay. family, right. right? I mean, like, or enemies. I like it. I like frenemies as yeah. well. Yeah. Best frenemies. That's like my two daughters. They're best frenemies every single day. Um, all right. Fun show for you guys, of course, today. We're going to talk about some players that we expect to level up for the Tennessee Titans. Guys, like, I'm going to have to ask you to to clarify sort of the definition. Does Christian Fulton count as already leveled up? He's already leveled up, right? Did he make a Pro Bowl? Did he make All-Pro? So he's still got, he's, he, has he made the Hall of Fame? He's still got time. The Hall of Fame, he's not a Hall of Famer yet after yeah. a year yeah. of football. Okay, so then Christian Fulton could potentially still level yeah. up again. So we're going to talk about some players later on in the show that we think could level up. Um, you know, we're big believers of no empty calories on the show. That's sort of our ethos. It's quickly becoming the, the philosophy of the program. And I think the casual summer topic for a lot of teams, football especially, is are they under the radar? Are they under the radar? The Titans, the Vols, other teams in the SEC, are they under the radar? We are not going to discuss whether or not a, a t- specific team is under the radar. We're just going to tell you where they at, where they are on the radar, and then we're going to discuss whether or not that's fair or not. So a little bit different, a little bit smarter, uh, of course, for the SEC and for the Tennessee Titans. And we'll take a look at minicamp that's coming up here as well. I also have a statement for a friend of mine um, that includes a topic that, of course, is everywhere across the Internet this weekend for Titans. <laughs> Titans fans, you can see the look on his face that we're going to talk about A.J. Brown's Twitter account. Uh, Before we do that, however, of course, reminder that the Kingston Group is our proud sponsor here on a football show. You can, of course, check them out at buildkg.com, locally owned custom home and remodeling firm here in Nashville. If you're going to make a big decision about your house, make sure you talk to the great and wonderful, amazing people at the Kingston Group. That's buildkg.com. Football and other F-Words podcasts, all the other great shows from the 440 Sports Network, uh, I think that's everything. Broadwaysportsmedia.com. We've gotten to everything, Zach. I think I think you covered it all. Okay, so should I, should I let's begin with a statement that I'd like to make for these are not prepared remarks. This is off. This is from the heart. Oh, okay. This is from here, uh, and I would just like to say that a friend, a colleague, a former wide receiver, Derek Mason, is the best wide receiver in Titans franchise history. There is not a discussion about this. It's not a debate. It's not something you guys can. Have a beer about and argue on your deck. That's it's on Twitter. It's even worse. Derek Mason is the best wide receiver in franchise history. I've said as much to Derek Mason in an interview about AJ Brown when AJ Brown was doing all the amazing things that he's been doing, and Derek Mason even agreed that AJ Brown could, in theory, one day be the best wide receiver in franchise history should he play as long as Derek played in a Titans uniform, and Derek agreed with me. So, Derek, the crown is still yours, my friend, because A.J. Brown will no longer be producing numbers for the Tennessee Titans and therefore will not move up any of the lists and therefore will not be the best wide receiver in franchise history. Now, and Derek has agreed with me on this as well, if we are talking about the most physically gifted player to play that position in franchise history, then we can have a discussion about A.J. Brown. In fact, I might agree, and I think Derek agrees, 
that he is probably the most physically gifted player to every play at that position for this franchise, Houston or Tennessee. So I don't think it's any more complicated than that. I don't think that Titans Twitter needs to do any more than that. I don't think AJ... I have to tell you they, they, what they need to do more of. Shutting the fuck up. <laughs> this guy, this Henry Given Sunday guy that has destroyed my timeline because of this nonsense. I mean, you got articles being written, Bleacher Report picking it up. I think ESPN picked it up. Because he couldn't just stay away from A.J. Brown having, who, by the way, is a moron in and of itself because he doesn't even know how precipitation percentages work in the weather uh, industry. And that's what that's why he's being called not only a villain, a stupid villain. <laughs> well, you know, at this point... You live in the sewers, man. Well, I mean, do. I don't, I, if, I don't know how you're going to talk about this conversation no, and not do the research on it before you get in here, but... You know. I don't want to live in the sewers. I don't need to do research. Then on why this are we topic. talking about this topic? Because I, I wanted to make a, <laughs> I wanted to make a statement and I wanted to say the truth. The truth has been said, and that's the end of that part of it. Yeah. I do think what's interesting, and you and I were talking before the show, is that this I'm starting to get more and more insight into who AJ Brown is. Yeah, he's an insecure little bitch. And, wow. Yeah, I look at listen. At this point, I don't give a fuck about AJ Brown. So if he, he listen, he may actually watch this show because he's so insecure. We'll probably have AJ Brown mentioned somewhere, and he's gonna find it because he probably googles his name thirty times a day. You guys can tell how Zach feels about this. Yeah, um, I'm so sick of talking about AJ Brown, who's not a, even a player on the Tennessee. Team. That is what my. That's what I would say to people is, like we've established the truth. Let's move on from it. Also, unfollow. Yeah. Like, what What does it matter? Like, I don't understand why people are still paying attention. I'm, I'm with you. I don't understand why people still care. So if he wants to get in and argue about it, that, that, that's that's up to him and you. And just like me, I choose not to get into the sewers on that. I like I like bathing in this in other sewers on, yeah. the, on the Twitter sphere. But but that one in particular, I unfollowed him on the day after he was traded. And I just haven't noticed it since. Now, I do have a I and I I do think that AJ and I'll tell this story from last year at camp real, real quickly here. And that is that he. We were me and Teron and uh, I think another guy I can't remember who forgive me. We're standing next to on the third field, this you know whatever the the, the evil the secret field. field, and they're they're throwing passes around, kind of just like you know BSing. It's not like a drill or anything. They're not doing an actual any actual work. And AJ's standing there, and Teron and I are kind of like joking with him. He's going up and doing one handed catches because he's one of the most physically gifted players ever and and whatever. And we kind of joke. And we're like, all right, you got to do that in a game. You got to do that in a game. And he goes, no, 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 not a game, not a Sunday game a Monday night game, a Sunday night game. So again, purely anecdotal, but what his what his brain was telling him and what he like his natural inclination was is to say I need to make a big star like play to build my brand, but it needs to be on this platform so that I get the most out of it and it doesn't matter if I do it on a Sunday against the Giants at Nissan Stadium at noon or whatever. And it doesn't mean anything. Some guys are capable of doing both, Taylor Lewan, right? Um, but it's one of those little nuggets now that I'm seeing him be insecure on on all these platforms that, like, you know what? That was an indicator that he's pretty focused on this from day one. Yeah, well, you go back to when he was on Bustin' with the Boys and he talked about he's an alpha, he's the best wide receiver, that's his mindset and everything. And for a guy who ha- supposedly has this month's mindset, he really doesn't even act like a beta. He acts like a gamma. Like, he is a gamma male. I mean, he acts like he is a third... He has a third-tier... A confidence issue in my mind. He he is a subpar personality, and I'm sick of it. I'm, I'm just I'm so sick of having to talk about AJ Brown because every time I think we're going to be out of the woods, yeah. I turn around. There's another Titans fan antagonizing a guy who is going to antagonize back because he he has such a low opinion of himself. AJ Brown has no self confidence. 
Yeah, and that's how I, I view it because he is looking for who he is on the internet. He's not looking for who he is in real life instances. You know, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo says, "I'm not defined by what's said about me on the internet. Why do I care about what's said on the internet?" Whereas AJ Brown is defined in his mind, he is defined by the people that love him and the people that hate him, yeah. sh- complete strangers that he supposedly doesn't give a shit about. You know, it's just, it's just I'm so I'm so tired of talking about um, uh, Mel. A- these I'm just this guy. I, I'm <laughs> trying to put it into that. words. I'm, I'm this this guy who does not give a shit about the Titans Titans fans that love him. Obviously, he doesn't give a sh- he only gives a shit about the negative noise, and he is so full of himself. But he he lacks a sense of confidence, and I hate having to week after week dedicate because that's my, our job, right? We right. Uh, we may not like the story, but we have to dedicate a little bit of time to it, and and hopefully do it in a like again. To me, this was about Derek Mason. Yeah, this to me is about Derek Mason, not really about AJ Brown. It's just it's impossible to talk about it without I think, including I all think that Derek other stuff. Mason handled it poorly. You know that. Let's talk about that little tweet that he put out talking about fans uh, forget the old guard or whatever. I don't. I think that's necessarily again. You're doing what AJ does and paying attention to a vocal minority on the on the internet. Are you okay with it because he's in the media and his job is to sort of drive engagement now too? Oh no, I don't give a okay. shit about that. Right. So you, you know, you know. I, I mean, I know you. I know media people are tend to be put on a higher pedestal. But at this, yeah. but at this point, the, there is no difference between media and Twitter because they are all doing the same thing, which is perpetuating a non-news story, and they do it with not just this story, but with other stories. Yeah, I'm okay with a guy in the media who is We're specific. Not sponsored by Smartwater, by the way. <laughs> I, I think I'm okay with a, with a former athlete who is still in the market, working in the media, Defending his position of a of, a, of an active player, but don't I'm have a, to don't take a swipe at the fans because yeah, well that's you, you know that's my thing is that you know, that makes you look like that makes you look very petty that loses the whole message of what it is. I, I think both guys I mean, again. I think a lot of athletes can learn that that lesson. I, I'm surprised Jimmy Garoppolo is the level headed one in all of this. By the way, uh, 2,700 yards all purpose one year for Derek Mason. Yeah, it's just it's it's an, it's not a discussion who the best receiver in franchise history is. That's what I wanted to make sure I conveyed today on the show. Uh, it, had A.J. Brown played 10 years here, I think he would have blown through every single record and been the greatest of all time. But that's not what happened, so we can move on. And there's also a difference between, again, this goes back to leadership versus mentor, the difference there. There's a difference between best and most talented. Yeah. And, why and is that it, hard to understand? For well, people? it's because uh, this, I guess, com- I guess five years before I graduated high school, the education system must have failed because <laughs> you're you're talking about 32 year olds, 31 year olds who still can't grasp these def- definitions. You, you might be closer to the truth than anyone wants to admit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I just wanted to get that out there. And I know it's going to dominate coverage, of course, across the, the landscape for Titans fans. And if you want to make it part of your diet, go ahead. I just wanted to Defend Derek Mason for a second, and then we can move on, or 10 minutes, whatever. Um, all right, mandatory minicamp starts, and along the same lines of this H.A. Brown nonsense, I do sort of wish that there's like 11 holdouts tomorrow on Tuesday just so that we can have more what feels like um, not trolling from the Titans, because I think there's not really a contract issue, right? Like, you don't see a player holding out, like in the traditional sense. I'm, I'm waiting for the... The maybe there's just nobody cares about the Tennessee Titans and national media, but I'm waiting for a Diana Rossini tweet that says Derrick Henry's in for his physical or Jeffrey Simmons is in for his physical because I mean, those two guys kind of do matter that you kind of want to hear coming in for the physical, and there are yeah. contract 
supposed contract situations surrounding Derrick Henry, and there is a contract situation overhanging Jeffrey Simmons. So you kind of want that. Yep. Then that's one of the storylines for me to watch is you kind of want that. You want at least those guys to be in the building and want some clarity. Because what you're seeing is, yeah. oh, while the contract looms around him and they're still trying to work uh, through a contract, Kyler Murray showed up for OTAs. Lamar Jackson showed up for OTAs. Same, similar fashion. Terry McLaurin has not shown up for OTAs because they're still far apart on their contract negotiations. So in my mind, a st- while... It's still not a big issue if they don't show up. I think it is a sign that, okay, there is something looming now between man, between June to when training camp starts to get a contract hammered out for these two players. It's the next step that pushes it closer to that, yeah. but it's not right. anything to be over overly super concerned. Again, part of me, just the troll inside of me that does, I like some of the tours on Twitter, right. kind of wants it to just be like, oh, Derrick Henry's not here. Yeah, Derek Henry contract negotiation dispute, Derek Henry, and for it to not be an issue at all, like right. just like asthma gate, like yeah. it's not a thing. Uh, because otherwise, if you look across the roster, there's no real like contractual situation that would cause any friction in, in your mind, right? Right. Those are the only two that would really stand out because everybody else has either shown up, been been there, or they're probably going to show up today because it is physicals, right? I mean, yeah. and again, this is a. Uh, Titans organization that guards secrets closer than any entity known to man. <laughs> I think there's more leaks from the FBI and CIA than there are Supreme from the Court. Titans. Supreme yeah. Court has more leaks. Yeah, Supreme Court has more <laughs> leaks. So in my mind, you, you may not even hear about it. You may have to see it because I mean, I, yeah. I mean, maybe it gets reported on when it when it's there. Or maybe Jim White gets it first or something. They he says, oh, I saw Derek Henry around the building or something like that. Yeah, if he's he, allowed, because he's in town and actually yeah. doing the things. Yeah. Uh, which leads us right into an injury question because last during OTAs we saw Robert Woods as a question for minicamp. Of course, we've got you know Caleb Farley, you know Robert Woods, um, and I think Racy McMath was also wearing the yellow penny as well, which is, of course means they're still going through the protocol uh, of like re- rehab or whatever the official terminology is. And um, Christian Fulton was was wearing the yellow jersey as well during OTAs. So um, you know Aaron Brewer, Nate Davis, Elijah Molden. There's a few. There's a handful of guys that that. You know, I think keeping an eye on from an injury standpoint is is more important than a lot of the contract stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's would be my second biggest issue is, okay, contracts are, let's say they don't even happen, or if they do hold out. The biggest issue is, and this is the focus of what Mike Vrabel and John Robinson and all these guys preach, we can only control the people that are here. We can only coach the people that are here. So what, what hap- has happened now between last week and this week with Traylon Burks? Where is he at and being able to get through what is going to be very if they don't freaking, go inside? Very freaking hot. Yeah, on they don't Tuesday go inside days. the bubble. <sighs> what, it, what is he going to be able to do to handle? This is the worst probably heat going right now. The humidity. It's like walking into bacon grease Dude, it's out there. The heat index is 110. If it's that, it's not supposed to go down either. Yeah. I, I, selfishly, I hope we're in the bubble tomorrow and Wednesday, but... I don't know why you would do that to your team, honestly. Yeah, like, well, I know you want to like get them acclimated, but like, why would you do that? Yeah, because it, uh, to me, it's probably not never going to be as hot in a game situation as it is no. this week. And why risk it? I, because then you got muscle I, cramps you got to worry about, especially for a team with soft tissue injuries. But yeah, it just—I think it opens up a lot of doors for for a lot to go wrong to practice outside. You know, Robert Woods. You got Bud Dupree coming back. You know, I granted it's not from injury, but you got guys that you haven't seen in a while coming back that are known to have injuries. So Bud Dupree would follow follow under that. 
um, Caleb Farley, what he gets through. But I think that when you look at what is going on at, and happening at minicamp, it's two days, right? And it's probably the most grueling two days that they've had yet, more than likely. Since since uh, game week of yeah, so, Yeah, that yes. makes sense. Yeah. So and you're looking at it from a perspective of they're going to push a little bit harder, be a little harder on these guys, get them to do a little bit more. So you want them to all walk away without an injury because the injuries do happen at minicamp. I mean, you got I believe uh, who went down. Uh, I think uh, Teddy Bridgewater went down in, in that oh, way. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Couple, yeah. went down that yeah. way. I mean, there's there's well, it can happen in non-contact drills just as much as it can at training camp. Along those lines, then are you like are you that concerned about who is and who isn't there this week? Like I, I'm not concerned about Jeffrey Simmons being like I, I'm to, not, to your I'm point. Now you're making about, me nervous. Well, like, so I'm not concerned about anybody practicing. I think I think Traylon Burks is really the only guy I'm really interested in. Okay, well, what can he do to get into shape, right? Because that to me is the most interesting one. Now, if Derrick Henry comes for his physical and doesn't participate, do not give a shit. That's what I'm, that's kind of what I'm yeah. getting at. Is like if you're a veteran and you've played, let's say three years, right? Because that's especially if you're doing Simmons. practice outside. If you're doing practice outside, I'm out. If I'm right, like I'm kind of like, dude, don't don't even push him. Like because you're you're talking about how this could be the most strenuous couple of days of practice for a lot of these guys. I think that's really important for guys like Kyle Phillips. Mm-hmm. And maybe even Mason Kinsey, like a guy who's been in the NFL, but like needs to. Well, sp- Mason Kinsey's got like an All-Pro underneath him, <laughs> a Hall of Fame, with the way these guys talk about Mason Kinsey. I just like there's a difference between let's call them the I don't know the top twenty players on the team versus the bottom, and once they get they extend the roster to eighty five, let's say whatever the number is. Like to me, those other sixty are the ones that need to be out there pushing it. Like right. I, I don't need Taylor Lewan pushing it, or Nate Davis pushing it, or Jeffrey Simmons pushing it, or Harold Lander, or and Kevin Byer. Like and, I don't need those guys doing that. We haven't even talked about, but you know, Nate Davis hasn't been to any of the offseason programs. Nothing. What kind of shape does he show up into? Yep, I and, agree. And that's another question: is these guys that have missed all the offseason activities? And Nate Davis, I don't know. In my mind. He's not a vet that has earned that right. I mean, we're talking about he's just year four, in between, right? In between, yeah. He's like, and then you, because you have Taylor Lewan there and you have Ben Jones there, why isn't the yeah. the next tenured guy not there? And so in my mind, with no, what, we don't know what he's doing. Last year he was he was hanging out with Roger Saffold in the offseason. Roger Saffold's gone. Who's he hanging out with? What's his workout regimen? We don't know. What's he going to look like when he shows yeah. up? And can he can he make it through without getting out of breath? That's a, that's a kind of a... A topic that we haven't even touched on is the fact that Nate Davis's absence is very peculiar to me. It, it, I think there's, I think, how about this? I think there'll be more that comes out on that. Gotcha. In the next couple of days. And then we'll have a report for you on Thursday. How about that? Oh, live on oh. Thursday, 1 p.m., football show. <laughs> Nate Davis report. Oh, uh, brought to you by the Kingston Group, live from the Cast Collective Studio with football and other F word host Zach Lyons at F Pot on the Twitters. Uh, I do think injuries is a big one. I think the contract stuff is interesting. I think. You already mentioned Burks. I think that's really interesting. Obviously, everyone's going to be focused on him. But the rest of the rookies going through their first mandatory minicamp, Malik Willis getting a little bit more comfortable in terms of running team drills. Like they, they actually had him separated. Um, you know, the the basically the third team, we'll call yeah. it roughly speaking, uh, of offense. And they actually had him on different fields last week, where before they would have him kind of next to each other, running the same routes and stuff in the same place. What, so. what about the way that Pat O'Hara talks about Malik Willis to the media? I mean, it, it's just like he's in love. he he is in love with him and i do see the difference and even just from like first day of rookie camp yeah right so like last i think it was wednesday we had or tuesday maybe we had we had practice access they're 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 like he's doing like the play action drop back quick turn plant your feet and throw like he's already doing that a little bit better so i think 
to see a guy who's willing to work, I think is important. Right. Um, I, I don't. I don't think it's changed my opinion of Malik Willis yet. I don't. You know. Like, well, it's hard to it's hard to really change your opinion right. uh, without seeing it in the game, but I think that is an encouraging sign that he picks up things fairly quickly and implements them on the field. It's one thing for it's one thing for coaches to come out and say, um, you could talk about like Taewon Taylor, like everybody said, oh, okay. oh Taewon Taylor's really That's improved right. this and really improved that, and then he's not going to the jug machines, then he's dropping balls all through practice, right. so he's not really improving and not really focusing on his craft, right? So there's a big difference between them feeding you bullshit and it not translating to then yeah. them giving you what they're giving you in terms of what they've seen from Malik Willis and his progression. You actually seen actionable items and actionable progress. Is it as quick as what you want it? No, but you got to remember he's probably starting at a lower, yeah, yeah. lower level than what most of the quarterbacks that were in his quarterback class or in previous quarterback classes had yeah. to work from. I think what's interesting too is, like you talked about the Titans kind of keeping the secrets and like if he's going to, if Pat O'Hara or Tim Kelly or Todd Downing, whoever sort of wants to distribute information about Malik Willis, if they were to come out and say like, Hey, this is the thing that he wasn't doing well, or we're, we've worked really hard on this thing and now he's better at this thing. I think if you gave us really specific stuff and maybe they're, maybe they're going to do that. Maybe they're not. I, odds are that they, they don't, but if they do, then I think it it's not really building hype or putting too much pressure on him. If you just come out and say like, Man, the guy is amazing. Everything he's doing is perfect. Blah 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 blah. I, it's almost like doing him a little bit of a disservice because then you're hyping up the because people are going to lose their minds over the quarterback yeah. position, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Well, I think they have given us some stuff. They they've talked about the pre or pre snap processing. Yeah. They've talked about uh, reading the defense, and they they've said that he's working on that part and that aspect. And that's something that you may not see on the practice field or whatever. But they but they are saying that. But they are also saying about his dropbacks and. Like you, like you said, that's something that someone mentioned. I don't remember who mentioned it, but someone mentioned an oppressor. It may have been Pat, may have been Vrabel, but mentioned that specific uh, taking those, you know, snaps right. and everything. And you know, I look at it this way: if you want answers to those questions, someone's got to ask the questions that really get that out of them. And and really, that's comes down to Teron Davenport, who is there every week. I mean, that's the guy that you can probably safely say knows his stuff enough to be able to ask that question that's there at every press conference and be able to get the answer that you're you're looking for, right? Yeah, you got to be in very that, in that way. It, it, you have to ask it very specifically of Vrabel and then he kind of can open up sometimes, yeah. but you got to ask it. It's sort of like Belichick where if you ask the right question about the right thing inside the game, they like they like you blossom can't just like say, a flower, you yeah, know. You can't just say, "Well, what's Malik improving on?" Because then you're just right. going to get a generic answer because you asked a generic question. Right. You know, if you go back to the tape, and you know, a couple weeks ago you said that you guys were really going to work on Malik Willis on this, yep. and I've noticed a little bit of difference from the sidelines. What have you guys noticed, or something like that, or where do you think? Okay, you got his steps down. Where do you think is the disconnect between the steps, his lower body and his upper body? Yep. Yeah, and even then, it's like. And you have to do it still open-endedly. You have to make him feel like like there's yeah. a because I think there was one time where I think Teron asked him about like what did Ryan Tannehill not see on one particular interception or something like that. And this was this was I think late last year, and you know Vrabel kind of stopped and he goes, "Which one are you talking about?" Like and even then, it's a really good question. It's a smart question from a guy he already respects. And even then, Vrabel was still like pushing him to make sure he oh you mean on the third and five you know like that kind of thing. Right. And and so I, I, you can get Vrabel to open up. It's just very hard. It's just very hard. You have to ask the right question, and it has to be about the right thing. It can't be about injuries. It can't be about broad stuff and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. So um, how about – Do you think someone is going to ask a coach or a player about A.J. Brown's tweet? 
I I hope not. I'm I wouldn't put well, it past I someone. It, I take it back. To ask Vrabel or ask someone. I take it back. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, did you see the reaction? Because I want to see what Rabel does. Uh, because again, I study press conferences like 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 human psychology, right? Behavior, and I just love watching the interaction and and, and that uh, to see what his face would do. I, I his, would it, it would he just combust? Like I feel like that may be the question that <laughs> he just leaves. I, well, I, you know what he'd do is he'd just be like, "Is I, I talk about the players on our team?" Yeah, you know, whatever. Some yeah, kind something of, like that. Some kind of stalking after after a glaring and big sigh. <laughs> like if there's a big sigh, yeah, but he'll have the two hands on the podium. Just he breaks the podium off the little <laughs> little wood, a wry smile and a little yeah. chuckle, and then I talk about players on my team, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I now I'm now I'm actively rooting for that yeah. to happen. I'll see if I can get somebody to do that because I sure as hell am not going to do that. Um, all right, that leads us to position battles. I think which is one of the only things kind of left in the camp. And again, for as Especially much as you, offensive line, I think right, maybe defensive backs. So here bit. I was going to I was going to ask you and t- tell me what you think. I'll go. I got four positions okay. for you. And I because again, mini camp. Yeah, everything's the caveat of the mini camp. Um, I think left guard. Yeah, I think that I think right now I think people are expecting it to be Aaron Brewer, but I would not discount Jamarco Jones at this point. Okay, I think that's fair. Right and, tackle, and, and then that's a real competition that we know of, right? I, I think too. so. Yeah, I mean, right, like right tackle. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's as much the competition as it was a few weeks ago because I think that it's Dylan Radens' job to lose. Okay. But that does not mean that NPF can't show up at training camp. I don't think in many camps, maybe not for this particular position battle, but I think, you know, if you're talking about a whole month going by, what can NPF do in a whole month gone by to improve his game to maybe make a case to say, hey, I know that you guys love Dylan, but I'm that guy. Okay. Uh, What about wide receiver in general? Maybe the organization, maybe the roles, maybe the depth chart, wide receiver? Yeah, I think at this point, if you were to start, <laughs> people are going to hate this. If you were to start the day one, week one right now, it's NWI and Robert Woods as you're starting <laughs> wide receivers. And I think people are going to hate that and people aren't going to understand. But I also think that the first play out of the gate is probably going to be a run play. So those no. guys will be your run play. No, no, yeah. Um, Maybe a play action, but probably those guys are going to be there for the run blocking purposes. Does and so that technically means that NWI has little asterisks for the start, right? I mean, yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. But you want to see you want to see Traylon Burks get going, right? You want him to see see com- complete practices from Traylon Burks where he doesn't ever have to come off the field. Yep. Again, maybe more so a training camp thing, but I agree with that. But I think that you want to see some more wide receivers step up. You want to see Des Fitzpatrick step up. You want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still Reggie Roberson has kind of disappeared if into the oblivion, which is more than likely would happen with the UDFA. But you want to see the top five cement themselves as the top five, and top five for me in no particular order: Robert Woods, NWI, Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, and um, Des Fitzpatrick. Des Fitzpatrick. Des Fitzpatrick does is doing everything better right this year than he was last year. It doesn't mean he's elite, <laughs> right? But he's doing everything better. Um, I will say I've come around on your sort of your theory on Kyle Phillips, and I was talking to a few people on the field just saying, like, well, who else on this roster outside of Brendan Lewis, who's like five foot four, and uh, Mason Kinsey, who else is going to do for this offense what Kyle Phillips can do? And I, I think I'm coming around on the three of them are going to be battling. And I will say this, Lewis is never misses anything. 
He never drops a pass. He never does a drill incorrectly. Never gets asked to repeat a drill. Sounds like Cam, a Cam Batson kind of guy. Like, and they love. Yeah, well, what I'm saying is they true. love that guy, right? Yes. I mean, they, yes. they they kept Cam Batson around all the time and trusted him in big spots here and there, yeah. specifically in the Dallas game. Then there was a toe touch game that I can't remember where, who it was against. He's had his moments, but he never could stay healthy, right? Right. And so maybe this guy is... He's very, very small. Like, he's yeah. very small. Yeah. <laughs> and Cam Batson was super small, too. He's even smaller than Kinsey and and Phillips. Like, yeah. And that's... But again, never does anything wrong. Doesn't mean he's... Gonna, I, but my point is, is that I think... And you've said this a couple of weeks ago on the show, where you think Kyle Phillips will play maybe more snaps than anybody else outside of Traylon Burks in this rookie class. And I think I'm coming around on that to some degree, because... As you study the, the roster more and more, watch how they're running routes, watch how their formations are lined up, like all these things, talk to a few people. There's there's nobody that does what Kyle Phillips and Mason Kinsey do in that offense, at least right now. Doesn't mean right. that somebody might not show up in camp or whatever, but for right now, it does feel like those three are battling for one roster spot, and odds are the guy who was drafted is going to is gonna Exactly. Be, so. And then and, and he's supposedly, for all intents and purposes, he may be able to argue with Lewis, has looked the best out of all three of them. No, I think I think it's... Lewis doesn't do anything wrong. He's clearly limited. Yeah. Phillips is does almost everything right as well, but is a little bit bigger, a little bit faster, a little bit stronger, a little bit more of everything. And, I mean, he and Kinsey are, look... I mean, they almost look identical. So, uh, again, I think Phillips has been more productive in the, in the short times that we've seen him. Uh, cornerback organizational structure. Yeah. Is that what I was going to ask you for a final position battle here yeah i think i think that's interesting because the more i read uh i believe the tennessean put out an article this morning interviewing former defensive coordinator kenneth Steele, kenneth keith keith Steele, keith still yeah i don't know why i went kenneth um keith stone St- no <laughs> no not keith stone <laughs> keith stone no free shout no I'm, I'm kidding yeah um it's an interesting collection of guys yeah i i think they, he talked about in the article about McCreary nothing phasing him. And to me, that is just right up this. I, I understand now, maybe I didn't understand in the moment as much as I, I do now, why they drafted McCreary and passed on maybe Malik Willis or passed on right. in, uh, NPF is because, and other players, is because this is a guy that arguably could have been in the first round. And this is a guy that they has the Titans personality that they are looking for on the field. Steely resolve. He is a good word. I mean, to me, I'm not saying I don't think Caleb Farley has anything to worry about because I think Caleb Farley and Christian Fulton, their spots are secured barring injury. I think that's the only way yeah. those two don't start, really. Yeah. Now, McCreary and Molden, they're kind of interchangeable. But if you're talking about that you got uh, the starting offense that you're uh, the do the Giants come out in three wide receiver sets and your starting cornerbacks are Caleb Farley, Christian Fulton on the outside, and McCreary on the inside. I'm perfectly happy with that. Yeah, no, I, I uh, it could I, be Molden. That'd still be perfectly. Happy. I don't know why I was thinking like which NFL coordinator. Like you're talking Auburn coordinator, yes. Kevin Steele. It was at Tennessee last Kevin. year. There you go, hey, Kevin well, you Steele. Took us three tries to get the K name. <laughs> well, I didn't. Realize, I was like, there, yeah, who former. Yeah, who worked for the Titans? That was last name was Steel. I was like trying to. I don't know why I didn't think about Auburn. Um, no, I, I think that, and I think you've said this on F Words Pod before too, which is that you just the NFL is going to have three and four wide receiver sets from now on for the rest of time. Right. Like until a rule change happens, this is where the game is, 
and you need at least four of them. That's it. And Elijah Molden does one thing a little differently than Roger McCreary does. Roger McCreary does something a little different than Caleb Farley, and, and Christian Fulton does something a little different. I think all four of them are very talented. They're all high-level draft picks. And they're all super so. young. And they're all very young <laughs> yeah, and, that's and, the thing. Cheap, and cheap. And, and look at it this way. You know, you talk about contract negotiations and all this kind of stuff. That's, you know, we were harping on it. Christian Fulton will be coming up for one soon. If McCreary turns out, well, Christian Fulton then and Caleb Farley, if Caleb Farley, McCreary, and Molden all keep trending the way that they should be trending, then buy Christian Fulton after your first good, contract. Good, good, a really good problem to have. Yeah, if all four of them are worth a second contract, yeah. great problem to have. Uh, and again, this will this will feed into our conversation about where the Titans are on the radar because I, 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 I think the defense is exceptional. So I don't even know if the cornerback position is a – position battle it's kind of like wide receiver for me yeah it's just organizational yeah it's just like who's getting and i think that more so than wide receivers i think they are matchup dependent and that's what they want they want to be able to be a defense as matchup dependent they want versatility right that's and that's part of it is to be able to say okay well they're lining up in this here's our matchup they're dead yep Coverage, coverage consistency, and front multiplicity. Yeah. There you go. Um, so that's sort of what we're looking at for minicamp. It's the rookies. It's Traylon Burks. It's the guys with contracts. Nobody's really covering of. minicamp, by the way. Minicamp storylines. And I get it's just two days. But, hey, again, that's football. why you come here. We got football. Fo- we got football. A couple of position battles and, of course, some injuries. I do think the... The cornerback receiver, the cornerback discussion that we just had for 30 seconds or whatever leads us into conversation about where these teams are from an expectation standpoint heading into the season. And I'll, I'm going to include some SEC teams in this conversation. And, and this basically, I was um, I was asked a question on a radio show about like, are the Vols under the radar, which is a generic summer question that happens all the time. And I was like, how can they be under the radar if they're preseason number 20 or number 18, preseason top? top 20 team in college football. So that's not really under the radar. But it got me thinking about the Titans. And I think about their depth chart on defense and a conversation we just had. And I think I'm with I think we kind of agree that the defense is going to be ridiculously good. Right. And to me that makes them again one of the favorites to win the division, if not the favorite to win the division. I know Vegas has the Colts as a slight favorite, but what where are the Titans on the radar in your opinion? Because I think I could argue they are being undervalued right now by the the, I think the football group think. Well, I I think they're. I think if you include fans in the group think, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I okay. think that I think almost everybody. I'd say about eighty percent of the football world, fans, owners, GMs, coaches, players, the national media, the local media, anybody that include is, Vegas in this. I mean, oh yeah, I'm okay. Vegas knows nothing in my opinion. Oh. Uh, if they, they, you know, that's why other, uh, sometimes the house loses, right? They're not, they're not infallible. Is, is Casino de Lions opening up soon? No. Cause if, if, if you know more than Vegas, then I'll come shop at your book. Well, I mean, I have beaten Vegas before, (laughs) so I mean, I, I think that it's a case by case basis, but I mean, when you, we're talking about a 12 win team line, we talked about this last week when you're talking about Mike Vrabel, you're talking about a 12 win team last year that started 91 different players (laughs) and there's no way that this team is is worse in my mind. The defense got better. Okay. Derek, and because everybody is, when you are doing these preseason evaluations, it's under the assumption that the team stays healthy, right? I mean, everybody's making right. these picks based on, nobody's saying. Right. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, you change your yeah. opinion of the pack. Yeah, nobody, nobody's saying that, oh, well, I expect Derek Henry to get injured by week six, <laughs> so this is why I've chosen this. So it's under the assumption that every roster that you see right now in its current form stays healthy, and that is, and they play to their best of their ability, uh, uh, yeah. their, their ceilings that we have seen. 
So if this defense plays to the ceiling that we have seen and probably will exceed it, right? I think that's a safe assumption. This defense has a chance to be even better than last year. And you look at the offense and you look at a healthy Ryan uh, or Ryan Tannehill that does that has more pass catchers around him. And Tim Kelly. And Tim Kelly. You like to point out. Yes. And you have a fully healthy Derrick Henry. Why can't this team do what it did last year? Better tight end. With a, with a in my mind, a, I get that it's a different kind of schedule, but in my mind, I'm thinking if they can do what they did last year, they're still a double-digit win team. Maybe not 12, but maybe 11s. Well, and so, so Vegas has their over-under at 9.5, basically. Yeah. Which means if you are betting on the under... You're betting on them being three games worse than last year. Right. And that feels hard to believe for me. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying I'm running to the book and putting, like, thousands of dollars down on the over. I would bet, I would bet the over, though. I think 10, 11 wins is absolutely doable. But the under seems stupid to me. It, yeah. It, it seems irrational to say that this team is going to take they... three games back, three steps yeah. back. So, to me, I think exactly what you're saying, the entire thing – is undervaluing this Titans team, in my opinion. I think they're totally forgotten and undervalued, and they're they're boring. Like, let's be honest here. I mean, we cover them, but if you you could start with a clean slate, would you really pick to cover the Titans out of all 32 NFL teams? If you're trying to, like, be the embrace debate, drive enragement person, no, you're going to go Cowboys. Right. So I mean they're 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 a boring team. So I get it. I and I think that uh, w- the national media has proven that they're woefully uneducated about the Titans. <laughs> and because they're, they're not not interesting. Yeah, like, that's the thing. They're super interesting in my opinion. Yeah, like the way the offense is evolving, the defensive picks, Robinson's draft picks, like but, Vrabel's but see, personality. Everything's likes interesting, defense, right? Yeah, I mean, like I we're we're probably one of the few shows that actually appreciates defense. Everybody's about the glitz, the glamour. The Russell Wilson has over in Denver, but and now magically because he's in Denver, he'll n- never crumble in November and December. You know, he has won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh well, how long ago? And, no, know, and did he win it, or did that Legion of Boom win it? No. See, that's a, that's yeah. something that's often forgotten about when the Russell Wilson talk is, is that the Legion of Boom dropped the hammer on Denver in that game. I mean, that that defense just had... Yeah, they were good. Yeah, they... they, they and Russell Wilson didn't need to do much in that game. Exactly. Peyton Manning... When, when you talk about... Let me say this. When we talk about uh, quarter subpar quarterbacks that won the Super Bowl or and... You're going to include Russell Wilson? He, back then, at the time that it was, wow. he is not the quarterback that he is today. So you cannot place the la- label the Russell Wilson today okay, okay. on that, the Super that's Bowl. Fair, that's fair. Right? I, would say, I would say that that's... like I would use Peyton Manning as an example of that as well. Peyton Manning had a dead arm when he won a Super Bowl because yeah. his defense was elite right. with Denver. And, and so when he got his second one, he was clearly not the second. Like, this, ma- this is what I think is going to be so fascinating about Matt Ryan. <laughs> like, right. Like, if Matt Ryan is still Matt Ryan, then I think it's a huge upgrade on Carson Wentz, and the Colts yeah. are going to be dangerous again, and they could compete in the division. Yeah. If Matt Ryan's arm is dead, then it's not the same player, and the Colts aren't going to be as good as people yeah, think. But it's, it's also, to me, like, this whole Matt Ryan thing is Carson Wentz wasn't as terrible as everybody wants to put now. He had Statistics. moments. Yeah, he had moments where it was awful, but... He, they basically protected Carson, their team from Carson Wentz, you know, for most of the year. I think people are going to put too much emphasis, and nobody's talking about Darius Leonard, by the way. In all of this talk, Darius Leonard, who just had back surgery, mm-hmm. who's had ankle issues, mm-hmm. he's supposedly going to be okay. But apparently, Derrick Henry, who is out, you know, <laughs> lifting Mack trucks one in each hand, is not. Well, it, while running up a hill, carrying Mack trucks up a hill. Right. Um, no, I, I think the Titans are underappreciated. I think, and I. 
I think Vegas is undervaluing them. I think there's a few teams in the SEC that would qualify as this. Tennessee Volunteers would not. Like, LSU, to me, qualifies yeah. as an under-the-radar team because Vegas has their over-under at, like, six and a half. They're not ranked in the preseason top 25. I think that's an undervalued team. I think Mississippi State is an unvalued team, undervalued team. I think there's teams that qualify as sort of unva- undervalued, but I don't think the Tennessee Volunteers qualify as that, which makes the summer so much more interesting to me studying Josh Heupel because that's not where this organization was last year when they came in with no expectations, no pressure, no nothing, no quarterback, no nothing. And so he just kind of cruised through the summer months, cruised into camp. They, you know, they changed quarterbacks in the pit game. They lose to Pittsburgh. Like there was under the radar was last year, right? That's, that's out the window now for Tennessee. They're a preseason top 20 team. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you feel, but if you're ranked in the top 25, you can't be considered sneaking up on people or underappreciated or undervalued or under the radar. I mean, were there what the, th- they're, Probably on paper the fourth best team in the SEC. I mean, when you're that's above, how we have them ranked. Yeah, right I now. mean, when you're above the, I think the well above the the demarcation line for you know above average or below average or your top teams and your yeah. you know, subpar teams, you can't be flying under the radar. Could they be underappreciated? Maybe. Maybe people aren't. You know, to me, like I said a couple okay. a couple weeks ago, I think that UT has a really good shot at winning. You know their division yeah that's i can't go that far with you yeah yeah i know i know you can only go a little bit but i I, georgia is gonna go 12 and 0 yeah i just like i like herndon uh hooker's ability you know who we do know a herndon that you like yeah (laughs) i like i like his abilities and i think that i think it's very i think we downplay how well coach josh did with keep with limiting his mistakes well now while he had a lot of wild misses he didn't have a lot of turnover incredibly efficient yeah yeah There's no question and if you and i think that people are starting to catch on in the draft uh world on twitter i see a lot of hooker highlights and a lot of He's second rounder right now yeah i think i think that's a guy that can do a lot of uh good for his brand if he puts up a year similar to what he did last year with a few key improvements. I just I'm not sure I see the NFL like physical skills there, the efficiency and the leadership and all those other things like it's absolutely there. My question is like and again, this is the problem with Josh Heupel's offense. Just ask Drew Locke about this. You know, he that that Josh Heupel was Drew Locke's quarterback offensive coordinator at Missouri and that the offense is too simple for NFL players. Like they have to now, if you're good enough, doesn't matter. But right. at, at some point, I, I need to see him do like the the step back, plant and throw thing. Like he can chuck it down the field. They split out super wide. I think the offense is is really good and gives them a good floor. I think eight and four is a good floor. Seven and five a good floor. I think ten and two is their ceiling because Georgia and Alabama. But again, if that would require Tennessee to be perfect, which doesn't happen very often right. for Tennessee fans. So I think nine and three would be an extraordinary year. And there's no way that's under the radar because again, we're picking them top 20 in the preseason. Again, LSU, Arkansas, Kentucky, Florida, Mississippi state. These teams are all not that much different than, than Tennessee and Tennessee. We're picking ahead of all of them. Right. And comfortably, so, I feel like, yeah. So like, right? it, yeah, to me, it's not, it's the it's LSU, a, it's the LSU road trip. It's the Kentucky home yeah. game. It's the South Carolina road game. It's those middle swing games that will define the season for Tennessee. Well, and that's the thing about Tennessee fans, though. They they want – I think there's a little bit of them where they they have a little man syndrome when it comes to all this stuff that's being talked about and everything. And I think some of them like to be the underdog, though. I think. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. I think they – I think like, the Titans like it. Yeah, I think the Titans do like it. I agree with you. 
Um, but I think, you know, it's like when those comments from the Notre Dame pitcher or outfielder, whatever he was, and everybody's like, oh, uh, the Ramon and Ron too soon, Zach. spent all Friday talking it's about, too soon, Zach. can't believe they gave him bulletin board material, and blah, blah, blah. Like, and, and all that, they did was just mash. And that was just the, inno- um, the most innocuous, like, comment ever. It's like, oh, I think they kind of should be afraid of us. And he sounds like, well, like you know... Yeah, based, you're asking like an athlete, too. like an athlete, to never be confident they're going to win a game. Yeah. Like, what do you expect him to say? Like, no, I, th- I don't think we can win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I guess UT should have been scared of. Yeah, I, yeah they shrunk again in the last uh, last game of that yeah. season. So that's two years in a row. Tony Vitello's squad has uh, shrunk with the with the bright spotlight on them uh, in the final game. I, I just think, and going back to quickly with the Titans, I think Vrabel, and he probably won't ever come out and say this because I've talked to college coaches that just say it out right. They say, "Yeah, we love having the chip on our shoulder. Yeah. We love being disrespected." You know, Nick, so- Nick Saban said rat poison a million times. Kirby Smart's done that. Don't tell me it's not a part of motivation. Right. Don't tell me it's not a part of human beings. And I think Vrabel and the Titans love the fact that they're the Colts are the favorite to win the division. Like, they're going to, you don't tell me, you don't think they're going to put that up somewhere? Not like physically on a bulletin yeah. board, but like, you don't think they're having those conversations about how people aren't believing in you, you know, X, Y, and Z. I think that, that the Titans thrive in that situation. We're going to find out if Tennessee can thrive when they have expectations. Yeah, because that's what different. it is, right? Yes. I mean, the, the UT has expectations on them yep. for the first time in a long time. Uh, credible expectations, because I feel like fans have yep. put un, put undue expectations on them in previous years, especially Jeremy Pruitt and Butch, Butch Jones years and certain years. They, and they still won nine games twice under yeah. Butch, by the way, which is crazy to think. Right, about. and I think, I think that there are now legit expectations, and I think that they will meet those expectations because I think they're a legitimately good team and legitimately yep. good teams cannot for the most part in this particular instance, when you have a ranking system that is tangible data driven evidence, right? I mean, like yeah. as data compiled of votes, nobody's discounting the UT volunteers. No, not at all. In fact, you're the one hyping them up. I'm hyping. You're them. the one saying they can contend for the East division. With just, the I, well, I just hate the, I just hate Georgia at this point. Just in, is that because all goes back to the championship game? That's it. Yeah, or just I'm in general, kind of just in, uh, been annoyed by Georgia. Annoyed by Georgia. Georgia doesn't really do much, and like yeah. they're the opposite of AJ Brown. Like they stay off Twitter. Yeah, they don't like. They're kind of chill. Like Georgia's a very likable program. I feel like. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, not for me. <laughs> they beat Alabama in the championship game. Um, all right, so some players that are going to elevate their status will end the show today. By the way, um, special thanks to Kingston Group for supporting us here on the program. BuildKG.com is the website. You got football and other F words podcasts. All the other great shows, of course, across the 440 Sports Network. You got uh, a bunch of other shows from Broadway Sports, Vandy Sports as well. Um, you got the YouTube page, notifications. We appreciate all your guys' support, uh, as well as Cast Collective Studio here. So I'm getting all the bills paid here before we get into our final topic, which is players that you like to level up this year. And we can de- you, you can define that however you want to define that. I, I think Pro Bowl sometimes is a little, I don't want to say not, inaccurate is not the right word, but, but Pro Bowl sometimes isn't. I don't know. Doesn't give me the exact definition I want. I just want. I look at it this way: who who on this on this team, offense or defense, is going to become a household name for this for this Titans team? Who's going to get those those votes, that recognition out there? Who's because the reason that they are getting those that recognition and those votes or names or you're seeing them on highlight reels because they're playing exceptionally well right. compared to what they have been. So I think that's how I would define it inside my head. And I would say I would put a little caveat on that, which is getting the recognition from smart people who know the, the team. Yeah. Right? Like not, 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 the, not the regular Twitter bro who doesn't know that, right. that right guards are very important. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Nate Davis is a guy I would pick. 
to, as a part of this conversation where I think could be a guy who is getting recognition for his play at right guard, but is not going to make highlights or sports center or, yeah. you know, you know, whatever. So like to me, Nate Davis is a perfect example of a guy that maybe he doesn't get voted all pro or pro bowl. He has got one all pro vote under his belt. And, and again, but I think a guy that's going to be a, a star, like yeah. as big as a star at right guard can be. Right, if that makes sense. So who you got? I'm going David Long. Uh, I got him written down. Yeah, I've been on the I've been on the David Long train for a while now. I, I I think that now that he is squarely the starting guy, it's obvious. It's him and Zach Cunningham, right? Yep. It's obvious. He's talking about taking leadership roles. He's talking about being more vocal. He is talking, which is not his. It was yeah, not his forte. Yeah, He's getting yeah. out of because his comfort zone. To me, the play has been there. The opportunities maybe hasn't. If he stays healthy, you're talking about a guy. Remember when? Uh, I think it will. I'm thinking of uh, Levante David, or maybe it was uh, who's Alexander? I, Quan, I go, Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander. When those those two guys kind of just popped up out of nowhere, right? They kind of had been here for a little bit, and they kind of just you know slowly got better and better. But then they popped up, and they were considered like one of the best linebackers. Wasn't Alexander a first? Was he a first round pick? Second round? I don't pick? know. That that doesn't really matter. In fact, into my story because first round <laughs> picks can suck, and then suddenly turn it on later. That's, true. That's what I'm talking about. And I think that David Long is that guy that is going to be that linebacker that everybody's talking about. That saying, "Oh, you got to watch this play. He just—he's always around the ball. He, he makes yeah. his tackle, or he—and he's got a chance to make interceptions, to get fumbles. They're practicing uh, knocking the ball out, you know, at training camp, which they always do anyway. But I think that you're talking about a guy that has all the physical talents, has the personality trait. He's in a defense that's going to feature him a lot at this point. He has no real competition behind him. I think that David Long has a good chance to make that leap, level up, and even get into a Pro Bowl, maybe even earn some all-pro votes. I I could be on board with that. A couple of questions. First of all, Monty Rice, by the way, a name we have not discussed at all at any point during any of these camp conversations for the last three three weeks or so. So... Maybe we see him on the field this week yeah. or not. That's, that's a, he is right now the, the backup to both of those guys at this point. Right. So pretty critical that he's he's producing. Um, I, I think if I would I agree with you one million percent if David Long is on the field every yeah he's got to be he's got to be healthy because he's a little guy relative to his position. I will say was it the Colts game, and this is not meant to be uh, cast dispersion on the boy, but was it was it the Colts game like two years ago maybe at the end of the year where. Jayon Brown gets hurt and is out, and it was they bring in Will Compton yeah. for, like, two series. And then he, after two series, they were like, sorry, man, David Long. And they put David Long in, and David Long was just everywhere. Yeah. And it was one of those where you're like, all right. And he, he was a West Virginia kid, and he he's super, super active, physical, can do everything they ask him to do. He more Can than he li- stay healthy is the question. Yeah, he's got to stay healthy, and he's more than likely a three-down linebacker for the team. Yeah. Because when you think about it, you're going to take Zach Cunningham off in obvious passing situations on third down. Or shift him, maybe. And then you're going to take him off. I mean, I yeah, I don't agree. think you're going to shift you're not gonna, you're not gonna, shift him to. Well, I'm just saying if you want to run, uh, keep him on the field and, and then use him as a pass rusher. Yeah, but a, then you would just use your actual pass rushers. I, I tend to agree. Maybe yeah. you're moving linemen. I, this is like the Rashawn Evans, like, why didn't they ever try Rashawn Evans at edge? Like, And, and I'm not saying. kind of like that. That's kind of like that. Well, Cunningham me. has a track record of getting to the quarterback a little bit more than Rashawn Evans yeah. does. But I, I, see your, I see your point. I agree with you on David Long. I'm with you on that one. I would like to sort of just say the entire secondary, but 
like Kevin Byard's already in all all, all everything. Uh, we've kind of talked about Christian Fulton. I think Christian Fulton could be an all pro, like, like that level good. Yeah. So if that counts as leveling up, I'd include him. I think Elijah Molden is going to get some recognition. I, I think Elijah Molden Love is going to get some, some major recognition. Who's going to be my next one? That that was my one of my favorite draft picks of the last yeah. three or four classes was going out and getting a guy that's that plays that position. And you could see it literally from the very first practice in camp last yep. year that he knows what he's doing, that he knows exactly how the scheme is. He knows his strength. More importantly, this is another thing that maybe we don't talk about with players, knowing who they are and their own weaknesses. Like, he knows what he's not. Right. He knows he's not an outside corner that's going to line up and jam Tyreek Hill and then run with him. Like, that's not what he does. But what he does, he does very, very well. Right. And so I'm, I'm with you on Molden. I think Amani Hooker could be in this conversation. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. The, the physicality, the size, the speed, learning beside Kevin Byard. He's now, what, his third year as the starter, right? So I, I, this is a guy who tackles incredibly well in space. Like I like everything Amani Hooker does. So I kind of want to just broad brush the secondary and say much along the lines You'll of... probably have two or three people getting a lot of recognition in the secondary. If the defense is as good... Including Kevin Byard. Yes. If the defense is as good as you and I think it is. Right. And, and obviously we can't really include Bud Dupree or Jeffrey Simmons or yeah. Harold Landry. They've already done that. If the defense is as good as you and I think, then David Long, Elijah Molden, Christian Fulton, Amani Hooker are all going to be pretty darn good players. Yeah. So one of them is going to, if not two will be elevated up. I'm going to throw a name out there. All right. And I think Austin Hooper, I think, needs to be <laughs> needs to so be included funny. in this because you're talking about a guy who's probably going to rack up a lot of red zone touchdowns. He's going to block. He's going to catch passes. And the, and the offense is going to improve exponentially compared to last year just because of his presence of being way better than anything that they had last year. And there's not a lot of options on the offense, honestly. Like, right. That, he's the one guy besides maybe Nate Davis that can take a step yeah. because Lawan's already been there, right? Well, Ben Jones is like he is. Yeah, Ben Jones is who he is, and he's gotten all pro votes, and he's gotten his recognition. I I think Nick Westbrook Akine. I just don't think the stats will be there. Yeah, I agree. I I think Austin Hooper for the position that he plays, he'll get the stats, he'll get the looks, he'll get the touchdowns, he'll make the acrobatic catches. Him and Tannehill are looking on the same page, making great grabs. Tannehill's throwing a beautiful ball to only Austin Hooper can get it, and he's making the catches, not dropping them. I think that goes a long way when you're talking about a guy who was on the radar of a lot of these scouts a couple years ago, kind of fell off. So he's also got the kind of recognizable name in his favor, too. So when you're talking about a guy, it's it's always good to have a trouble. He may have, but I think he's gonna. I think maybe probably was an alternate. Maybe I I agree with you on this. Yeah, like I agree with you on this because of like the spot that he plays on the team, all the things you just said, and if he just if he goes for like 45 catches for like 500 yards and like, but he but he racks up red zone touchdowns, then he's going to be a guy that's going to get votes for a Pro Bowl. So again, Pro Bowl votes are not the end all be all. It's not the thing that defines you you know, who you are or whatever. But this is a guy who signed a, g- a big contract, didn't live up to it, not necessarily of his own doing, some injury stuff. But if, if he has been two Pro Bowls, but, but he still has to a chance level. to level yeah. up. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I, I, there's not a lot of guys on, I mean, unless Robert Woods were to, be, were to become a true number one and catch like 80 passes for 1,200 yards or something. You know, when people talk about Derrick Henry being comeback player of the year. There's, yeah. a, there's a good chance that Robert Woods could be that guy too. Yeah, I, I I tend to get Nate Davis would be my number one vote on offense, but I'm with you on Hooper. Yeah, I could I can get behind that. Uh, point is, is the defense going to be really good? Yes, I mean <laughs> I I figured most of the stuff was going to come from the defense. God, they're going to be so good. I, I just nine and a half wins seems so stupid to me. Like, yeah, just take the over on that. And put a few bucks down. Yeah, don't blame us if you lose, but like you you won't lose unless something catastrophic happens. Well. 
Yep, we'll knock on the the, the wooden table here. Uh, I think that just about does it for us, of course. Uh, stay out of the A.J. Brown Twitter sewers, all right? Um, that, that, I don't know what else that we need to say about A.J. Brown. It, it's Hopefully we've said it all. I know uh, you're. I know you're very tired of yeah, it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Ho- I'm wishing there was some way we could work around that having to talk about it on football and other efforts. <laughs> Can you try to not use the name? Can you do that? We could try, maybe. Tune in football and other efforts, of course. Uh, everywhere you get your podcasts, Big Lebowski, Mr. Lebowski, I should say. He is a Big Lebowski, but Mr. Lebowski and Zach Lyons, of course. Broadway Sports Media. You've got the Gold Standard Podcast covering the Preds with Adam Vingan and myself. We've got Fringe Element with Aaron Dugan, who of course owns this big, beautiful studio here. Cast Collective, make sure you check them out. Cast underscore collective on the Instagram. Kingston Group, our primary sponsor for supporting us. You guys go out and call them. BuildKG.com is the website. Special thanks to all you guys hanging out with us and listening. We love you all. We'll be back on Thursday, 1 p.m., live across all the platforms. Turn all the notifications on and share the product with your buddies or your enemies. For Zach, I'm Braden. This has been a football show.